This morning I want to begin in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 23 to verse 27. Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? You all gather that I... I've spent a lot of time meditating on this verse because I read it often, and we read it often in this meeting. Uh, and it's because it's one that everybody can relate to, but also I know for me personally I can relate to this too. Um, in the my background, the, in the family I grew up in, were very passionate, emotional people. Uh, very reactionary, uh, hot-headed, hot-tempered. That, that was kind of where the, the background of where I came from. And when something like this would come on uh, in our family, uh, then you would see all these emotions flying and the panic and the tempers flaring and the confusion and the scrambling and the trying to get a hold of yourself and just all that stuff and all that passion flying around and everything. And uh, the Christian life is meant to be altogether different. There's, as we follow the Lord and walk in His Spirit, that there's uh, a different, we, we see as we look into the Word of God, there's a different way of life. And it came to me this week, and it just kind of came to me out of the blue, that there's actually an example in the scriptures of another uh, tempest similar to this one, that after we examine this one, there's another storm at sea that happens uh, later on that we're going to look at. And uh, a disciple of Jesus is faced with a, a similar, even maybe even more severe circumstances than this. Now, first we'll look at this one, and we acknowledge that these people that Jesus was with, some of them were fishermen, and they had been at, this wasn't their first time out in the water, that they had been at sea uh, before this many times, and they probably had seen storms before. But this seemed to be something, you know, it says in verse 24 that suddenly a great tempest arose. This, is a, this wasn't any old storm at sea. This is a great storm. A tempest is a serious storm. And so this hit them. 
and we see that they panic. Um, whenever I think about this, and I've told this story before, but I'd like to tell it again. Uh, in 1981, that's 40 years ago, last month or two months ago, I went to Germany to visit with my brother. And when I did, uh, he, I found out he was an amateur sailor. And he took us, one day we had a, actually two days we were on, on a lake in, uh, in, in uh, Germany in the Alps area. And uh, we went on this uh, on these sailboat. Uh, the first day was a smaller sailboat, and the second day it was a bigger sailboat. And one of the things that I learned, my brother was an expert flyer in the, in the Air Force, but he was an amateur <laughs> in boating and sailing. And I found that out, especially in the second day, because we were out in the middle of this lake, just him and I, and I was his helper uh, in, in working the sail, and I had never been on a sailboat in my life before for those two days. And the second day, as we're out in the middle of this lake, all of a sudden on the shore, these red lights start flashing. And we're looking around, and it looks sunny, but off in the corner, just above the mountains, at the ridge of the mountains, you can see these dark clouds coming. And my brother Gene said, uh, looks like there's a storm coming. That's what it means. It's emergency. we got to go in. And so... We start heading inward and everything, and there's this whole system of how you work a sailboat. And as the clouds start coming down further and further, and the winds start picking up, and you see the waves start getting choppy, it got scarier. And he started panicking, and he had a license to sail the sailboat and everything, because you can't even rent a sailboat without, you know, without a license. You know, so he had gone through a course. I had never gone through anything, and I'm like, this is crazy. And the winds got stronger and stronger and began to bend the boat. The winds got so strong and the, the winds were bending the boat so far that I remember looking down, the, the, the boat was tipped so far that I was looking down, I was seeing the water, like past my feet, past the edge of the boat. There was the water. That's how far we were tipped. I was scared out of my mind. And we got into shore by the grace of God and nothing else. And, 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 and so we, we escaped and I imagine this was a lot worse than that. And uh, even though these were experienced seamen and everything, they came, uh, and uh, and I remember my brother was yelling at me because I wasn't doing the things right. I remember he was panicked. And he said, no, you must turn it down. He was completely panicked. And so the two of us were scared out of our minds. And mind you, my, my brother had was a Vietnam veteran. He had, he had actually had a... Uh, 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 a jet shot down that, that he was in. They, they jumped out and everything, and uh, so he he was not. He had seen danger before, and but he was scared here, and so was I, and so uh, so here we are. It says at the end of verse twenty four, but Jesus was asleep, and his disciples came to him and woke him up, saying, "Lord, save us! We are perishing." You know how we do this. God, help me. You know, this is, you know, we're just scared out of our minds and we cry out to God. Even unbelievers cry out to God in a time of panic. They say, I remember from the time I was a kid, a, a saying, there's no atheists in foxholes. A foxhole is something that soldiers dig in when they're under fire. They dig in this hole so that they don't get hit with gunfire. And then they start crying out to God in the foxhole, even though they even might be atheists. All of a sudden, they're not atheists anymore when they're in a foxhole because they're getting shot at. And uh, 
So they're panicking. In verse 26, And he said to them, Why are you afraid or fearful, O you of little faith? And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And so the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Why are you afraid? If somebody would have been in that ship with us, or my brother would have been in that ship and said to me, Why are you afraid? I would have thought he was crazy. And Jesus said to them, He gets up, when they wake him up, and he says to them, Why are you afraid? And I'm sure they looked at him the same way. What do you mean, why are you afraid? But you see that the way of the Lord is a different way than we look at life. The leading of the Holy Spirit is different than the way our natural instincts are. Our our instincts for survival, our instincts for how we should conduct ourselves, how we should respond to the way other people treat us. All these things are... It's completely, the way of the Lord is different than that. The leading of the Holy Spirit is different than that. And so, he gets up, and he shuts down this storm, and then they look at him with complete wonder. They completely underestimated Jesus and his power and say, who is this? They begin to wonder about who this really was that was able to control nature the way he did. From there, I want to go to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 27. And this is when Paul had been arrested imprisoned and he appealed to Caesar and they were going to send him to Rome and so he was a prisoner he was about to be sent to Rome in Italy so Dave uh, I'd like to start in this chapter and at some point I'll stop you I, I'm not sure where yet you can be starting start in verse 1 yeah And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship of Adramitium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon, And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter to Cyprus, because the the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put on put us on board. When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off of Snidus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off of Salmon. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lacia. Now when much time had been spent, we 
and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things Paul had spoken. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest, and winter there. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurosolidon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Claudia, Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it off, taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship and fearing lest they should run aground on Syrtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. And on the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. <coughs> now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For, they, for there stood by me this night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it, is, it will be just as, he, as it was told me. However, we must run around aground on a certain island. Now when the fourteenth night had come, and we were driven up, and down in the Adriatic Sea. About midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. Okay. So this is an interesting story, and <clears throat> there's a couple things that lead up to this that you're going to take a look at. The first one is is that in verse 9, it says that the, the sailing was dangerous, and, and Paul advised them in verse 10... Men, I perceive that this trip will end with disaster and much loss, not only of cargo and ship, but also of our lives. So there was a lot of stuff worth a lot of money on this ship. You know, the owner of the ship, you know, they were, they were carrying a lot of stuff. They made a lot of money from sending trade through, putting stuff on ships and taking it to other, other countries. So, but it says in verse 11, nevertheless... The centurion, the Roman centurion, was more persuaded by the helmsman, that's the one who, the captain of the ship, and the owner of the ship, than by the things spoken by Paul. Because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, and the majority advised to set sail from there, 
And it says in verse 13, when the south wind blew, supposing they obtained their desire, they put out to sea. So this is Paul, perception, being led by the Holy Spirit, as opposed to what appeared to be. And you see here that the Roman centurion, he heard Paul, but then he heard the owner of the ship, and the captain of the ship, and then the wind got calm. Hey, you know, Paul didn't know what he was talking about. He was just looking at the storm, you know, the, the, the bad winds and everything. And now that the winds calmed down, he didn't know what he was talking about. And they assumed that Paul was wrong, and they listened to everybody else instead. And when the winds calmed down, they, Paul didn't know what he was talking about. But as it turned out, it was a matter of listening to the so-called worldly experts and the natural reasoning and the way things appeared to be, as opposed to the perception that Paul had that there was going to be a disaster that was going to come to them. And so we can do that too. We can listen to all our world people in the world, worldly uh, counselors, uh, the ways things seem to be, as opposed to what God is telling us. And it happens over and over again. And we can fall in those foolish traps of, of justifying doing things the way things seem to be, as opposed to the way God tells us to do, because for some strange reason, we follow our natural inclinations and harden our heart to the Word of God. We don't listen to the Word of God the way we should. And the Holy Spirit was speaking through Paul, and they ignored him. And so it says in verse 14, but not long after that, a tempestuous headwind called Eurycliden hit them. I looked up what a Eurycliden was. He says like a cyclone, a hurricane. It says it comes from Central Europe and it travels through this area and heads down to North Africa and to Libya. And it says it usually lasts four or five days. But as we see here, it says that the sun and the moon and the stars didn't appear for many days. As a matter of fact, it says that, it, that Paul spoke to them, that the Lord had spoke to, them, to Paul after 14 days. This was a tempest that wasn't letting up for 14 days. 14 days is two weeks. So this is an exceptional Eurycliden that happens here. And it says, it's a violent, cold, strong wind that can suddenly blow across the Mediterranean. Of course, they were in the Mediterranean Sea. And it can come up come up suddenly, just like it did for them. Without warning, it just comes up, bam, and it hit them. A strong, cold wind that causes this. Eurycliden. And so, what does this have to do with us? You know that problems and serious problems can come on us suddenly without any warning. But you know God is trying to prepare us in ahead of time, just like God was using Paul to prepare us ahead of time. Storms are coming in life. Problems are coming. Be ready for them. So how do we prepare for them? We prepare for them by hearing the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We look into the Word of God. We seek God in prayer. We have a relationship with God. We take time for these things 
so that when and and you know we can say ah you know everything's going pretty good and we can just kind of sit back and rest on our laurels and say ah it's not nothing's going to happen jesus said in this world you will have tribulation and so Paul told them to prepare for it, and they didn't listen. And so when this came upon them, they panicked. And so it says the ship was caught in the storm, and it says they in verse 17 that they put cables, wrapped cables around the underneath the ship. That's how bad the storm was, because they were afraid the ship was going to break apart. Hmm. And they started throwing stuff off the ship. They started throwing off cargo. Verse 18, they lightened the ship. Verse 19, on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. You know what the tackle is? That's the stuff you use to steer the ship and to guide the ship. And all that stuff, they started throwing stuff overboard. Everything to lighten it up. That's how serious this all was. In verse 20, And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm beat upon us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Many days they lost hope of life. In verse 21, But after a long abstinence from food, a long fast, Paul stood in the midst of them saying, Men, you should have listened to me, and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. I told you so. And you know, there's a plenty of I told you so's in the Word of God, if we would look at them. And we remember that, you know, if we would have listened to God ahead of time, you know, there's a lot of things that we could have, you know, when we look back, there's a lot of things we say, well, we should have listened to God way back here. But that doesn't help us when they're in the middle of a disaster. Because that's only like, you know, what good is that? You know, yeah, you're right. That's for the future if we survive this. But God knew. And then he says in verse 22, Now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of this ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. A voice of calm in the midst of the storm. A witness of the peace of God in the midst of the storm. The Word of God says that people will think it's strange that we do not live in the way they do. People of the world will think it's strange that we have peace in the midst of the storm. It's part of the witness of the gospel we preach. It's a part of the preaching of the gospel. Is the that we have peace in the storm. And you see, Paul, the angel tells him, Don't be afraid, Paul. So you know when the angel says, Don't be afraid, you know that Paul was wrestling with fear too. The apostle was was wrestling with fear. David, the man of faith, man of God, made of faith, made faith, 
He says in the book of Psalms, What time I am afraid, I will trust in you, Lord. Guy who took on Goliath was afraid. And, God said, and he says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. When we feel our natural fears, and all of us fear it, apostles, men of God, both of Old and New Testament, felt fear. When we feel fear, we address it by trusting God. Uh, we put our faith in God. We walk on water. We trust God even in the darkest times. And so I've learned to live differently than the culture and the background I grew in. And many of us have learned that same thing. We don't do what our, our ancestors did. We follow the Lord. We follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. And so I believe it was um, Casting Crown sing a song, uh, I Will Trust You in the Storms talking about this very thing and um, there's something similar to that mm -hmm. I forget is that what it's called trust you in the storm yeah, yeah something like that and so um, after 14 days they discover land 14 days no stars no sun no no sky, no blue sky nothing but darkness for 14 days, all dark like night all the time. And all this wind and all these waves. Said they hadn't eaten. Well, I remember another boat that I went on a couple, the next couple years later was in Mexico. And we were on a fishing boat, uh, going deep sea fishing. And the waves were just choppy. I remember feeling uh, seasick. And you don't feel like eating when you're seasick. And for four, two weeks, they're, of course, they're not going to feel like eating, and they're scared for their lives. And it says, in verse 29, and fear, they're getting close to the land, so they fear lest they should run aground on the rocks. They drop four anchors and pray for a day to come. <clears throat> so, uh, Dave, if you want to pick up from there in verse 30. <clears throat> read the rest of the chapter and as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship when they had let down the skiff into the sea under the pretense of putting out anchors from the prow Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers unless these men stay in the ship you cannot be saved then the soldiers cut away the ropes and the skiff and let it fall off and as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. 
When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea, meanwhile loosing the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail, the mainsail to, the, to the wind and made for shore. By striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them could swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and, and get to land, and the rest of and the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Yeah. The fact that they all two hundred and seventy six people escaped safely to land is in a in a, in a, sh, in a shipwreck like this is a miracle in itself. As as Paul had predicted that everyone would and uh, in the middle, <laughs> so the, the the sailors on the ship, they the, they were pretended they were putting an anchor out on the one side of the ship, and but the, what they were really doing is they were lowering a right lifeboat, and they were going to get in the lifeboat and try to escape the ship, and get try to get to land that way, and Paul told them, you're not going to survive if you don't stay on board this ship, you're not going to survive, and so they. They cut the ropes of the of the lifeboat. So Paul had gotten <laughs> Paul had gotten their attention. So even the sailors on the ship, they were like, uh, you know, they, they listened to Paul. Because they began Paul was getting credibility with them. And so he told Paul told them, you know, you gotta eat now. And he started eating in front of them. Fourteen two weeks they hadn't eaten. And so and the storm was still going. But they believed Paul. They began to believe what he was saying. And he was this voice of calm and the voice of God in, the, in this calm of the storm, in, in, the, in the fierceness of the storm. And that's what God wants us to be in the storm, to be a lighthouse and a witness as we're going through the storm and others that are involved in the storm are going through it too. To be the lighthouse and to be the voice of the rock and the lighthouse in the storm. That's what God is wanting us to be. And you see Paul being that in the storm. Just like Jesus was, when he stands up and they're panicking, he says, why are you afraid? And Paul's saying here, don't be afraid, let's eat. Yes, the storm's still going, nothing's let up at all. We're, we've, we've, we're crashed into a, into a reef and, you know, and stuff like that. He says, about, you know, that kind of stuff. He says, let's eat and then throw everything overboard. And so they did that, and so where they actually had put anchor out, they hadn't crashed at that point. So then they crashed, and they all swam to the shore. And just as Paul had spoken through the the God's in, in, uh, influence uh, and God telling him uh, that they all came to shore safely. And I guess I wonder, you know. Where are we? Where would we be in this storm? If we were all on this ship and it happened to us today, we're in this all this calm and everything, and all of a sudden, you know, this horrible storm comes upon you. Where would we be? Who would we be? Which character would we be? And which 
Which person will we be in this on this boat? Will we be Paul? Or who will we be? And you see at the end of this, there is still some like that were afraid. The soldiers were afraid when, when they shipwrecked, they wanted to kill all their prisoners. Now why would they want to kill the prisoners? The fact is, if any of those prisoners would have escaped, uh, the sentence of death would have been on the soldiers because they let a prisoner escape. That's If you're a Roman soldier and you let a prisoner escape, it was your life or theirs. There's several examples of that in, this, in the Bible. In the book of Acts, the Philippian jailer, uh, when the earthquake cracked open the jail, he thought all the prisoners escaped. He was going to kill himself. He took his sword. He was going to kill himself. Paul stopped him. He said, don't, don't kill yourself. We're all here. All your prisoners are here. And that's why, because it's, you know, when uh, Peter had escaped, uh, when he was in jail, uh, the, soul, uh, the angel uh, let the Peter out of this prison. The, soul, uh, the soldiers were uh, interrogated by Herod, and after interrogating, he put them to death. They couldn't find Peter. They put, they put the soldiers to death. Why? Their lives were his. And that's what was going to happen here. But the centurion... He had grown, had such a respect for Paul, and he saw God was working for, through Paul, and he was afraid he didn't want Paul to be killed, so he told, "Don't kill the, the prisoners." So you see the witness of the gospel, the witness of Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit working through a man who is walking by faith in the storm. We do not walk the way they do, is the witness. People will ask us the reason of the hope that is in us, Peter said. Always be ready to give an answer for those who ask the reason of the hope that's in us. And after this is all over, Pete, Paul had a lot of, a lot he could say about the reason the hope in him. And people would certainly ask him, why do you have such a hope in you? How did you, how did this happen? How was God talking to you? How do I find God like you, walk with God the way you are. This God that you serve is real. We want to know about this God. That's where God wants us to be. I'm not there today. I know. We struggle in the storms. But you see the place that God led Paul to. The place that as time down the road that Paul came to. This is the man he became. The man that God uses. The man that God uses even in the tempest. The tempest at sea. Now, we, we, what if we were all in that boat and we were like these, these people? What if we were like the disciples of Jesus when they were in the boat with Jesus? We're just acting like people in the world. Just acting like them. You know, those freaking out and Lord, don't you care we we're gonna die you know Lord you don't you care we're gonna die you know it's like and Jesus said why are you afraid so God is in the process of changing us from that natural inclination all that passion and emotion flying of fear and 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 you know survival instincts just coming out and taking over 
and just like putting the brakes on saying, hold on, you know. Man, you should have listened to me when I warned you before you got into this shit. The voice of reason, the voice of hope, the rock and the lighthouse in the time of trouble. The witness of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> I guess that's what uh, I want to share today. Hit the action.